How is everybody doing? And welcome back for another Strength Chat episode. Today, I have got a very special guest for you. Today, I'm joined by Pound for Pound, one of the strongest women on the planet. Today, I'm joined by Pro Strong Woman and recently a Dinny Stone world record holder. We'll get to that later on in the podcast. Um, but today, I'm joined by the one and only Chloe Brennan. How are you doing? I am great. Thank you. How are you? I'm not so bad. Um, <laughs> Thanks a lot for taking the time to jump on. How are you? What have you been up to? What's been happening in your world? Lots has been happening in my world. It's been um, a bit strange, really. So obviously, recently, I went to the Arnold in Ohio um, and had a real good time over there and did better than I could have ever imagined. And since then, uh, like my life hasn't changed that much day to day, but socials has just gone wild which has been strange um so i'm kind of trying to adjust and take opportunities where i can and also just get back into a bit of a routine after such a manic week or so yeah definitely and how was um because obviously you know going over to the arnold's and then coming back was that quite a quick turnaround did you get because i know um when I've, I mean, I've, I've never competed in America, but when I came back from, off from holiday from America, um, I felt really jet lagged um, and like found it hard to get back into a routine. How did you sort of find it getting over there competing and then trying to come back and get back into a, a normal routine? Yeah, so I try and get out there with quite a few days kind of to chill before I compete, um, mainly because of the like weighing in and making weight and it, I never hold water on the flight, but it's always in my mind, like, oh, what if I, like, I'm five kilos when I'm flying? Um, so we got there on the Monday and I wasn't due to weigh until the Thursday. So we had a few days to adjust, but I never seem to adjust to sleep over there. So I'm always sleep deprived whenever I compete, which isn't ideal, but it is what it is. Um, and then I usually fly home like the day after I compete, but we had an extra day over there this year, which was really nice just to kind of, go and relax and do non-strongman things and just chill so we went and like we went to a shooting range we went and played duck and bowling went for food like it was just fun um but yeah getting back I've kind of mastered the staying awake until bedtime thing so the jet lag wasn't too bad but it was just a like you work so hard for so long for these goals and I'm like such a robot with my preps like anything my coaches or my therapist tell me to do I'm like yep do it do it do it do it do it so when I come back and I'm allowed that flexibility I just feel a bit lost so that's probably been the hardest thing but I've been working to get back into the swing of things this week which feels good oh good uh you did a lot better than me then because everyone says don't go don't go to sleep when you get back no I nodded off and then on I was like, that's it, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ruined now. Um, so are we uh, back into a block of training now? Uh, do you feel better for having a little bit of time off? Where, whereabouts are we now? Yeah, so normally when I get back, I have like a few days and then I want to get straight back into it. But this time I just didn't. So like in the two weeks after I got back, I think I trained twice. Um, fairly unstructured, just moving around. Um, and then I had a bit of a niggle after one of my lifts when I was over there and I was like well that'll be nothing we'll just give it time to rest and heal um turns out it's hamstring tendonitis so at the moment I'm not able like I was really looking forward to getting into a good deadlift block um that'd been going really well in the prep and we were going to try and peak that a little bit and see where we were at um so that's not happening but I'm kind of 
transitioning into a bit of a hypertrophy phase and going up a weight class so trying to put on some good size also rehab the hamstring so it's not the kind of training that I really enjoy but I know that it's necessary so we're getting the job done <laughs> yeah yeah it's like um uh yeah uh if you've if anyone ever has seen uh, hot fuzz for the greater good I think it is um, <laughs> yeah, <that's> it. <laughs> uh, so exactly that. obviously uh, I did um a little bit of a of an introduction and we've chatted obviously competing at the at the Arnold's and um especially having um watched some of the uh Arnold my and myself and following uh, strong man and strong woman um for anyone listening though who might not know your background in competing in coaching um obviously being a, a registered nurse as, as as well just want to give a little bit of a background to yourself and how you got involved in strength sports and coaching and all those sorts of things yeah god where do i start okay so <laughs> always been sporty always competed in in some kind of thing um the main one before this was trampolining that i did for years i got to like a lower level national level kind of thing so i competed in the british championships but in the lower tier um at that but then kind of left that in my late teens but i did coach in that and i absolutely loved it um but didn't really see a career in it so went on did my nursing well I did another degree before that and left it but we'll just leave that in the past <laughs> um no that degree was in psychology but it was just circumstances meant I moved on so um I'm actually registered as a learning disability nurse I did that for like three years um during that time when I was training to become a nurse I found strong woman through my partner never really wanted to do it I wanted so I started it with an all round weightlifting association thing, which was really odd lifts. Um, and through that, I actually wanted to do powerlifting. Yeah. Um, but slid into strong woman accidentally, found out I was pretty good at it. The first year I won middle strongest woman, came second at England strongest woman and third at Britain strongest woman. So I was like, oh, like it would be stupid to not do this anymore. <laughs> did quite well so my competing kind of picked up from there enjoyed it more and more got stronger and stronger and then coached little bits while I was doing that so like some friends would be like oh I want to train so I do bits and bobs um and then I was like do you know what I really really love this sport I really love strength training and I want more time to be able to commit as an athlete because when I was working full-time it was really hard to commit the time that I wanted to train in as well as like I was a community nurse so it wasn't as bad as if I was on the ward but like eating regularly managing to get my mobility in seeing sports therapists osteopath um training like it was just so hard yeah. so I was like you know what let's try this coaching like I'd wanted to do it for so long there's a lot of podcasts of me out there with people saying oh would you ever like consider coaching or would you do strong woman as a career? And I'm like, oh, I'd love to do that, but it'll never happen. Um, I made it happen. So I started coaching probably like 18 months ago now um, online and then left my job in September to go full time with that. And it's the best thing I ever did, um, both work wise, like I absolutely love it. And I still do occasional shifts in nursing at a children's hospice to like tickle my itch. So I love that. Um, but I get to work how I want with the people. Um, 
that choose to have me as their coach and I love it. Um, I get to give them as much time as I can without worrying about my other job and I get to spend more time training, um, which means that I compete better. <laughs> so it's it's been a ride, but that's, a, I was going to say whistle stop tour, but it's quite long. I <laughs> got to where I am now. No, no, absolutely. Because obviously, just a couple of a couple of things from that. Because you know, I always like to um, ask how people got involved in in strength sports. Because you know, and I, I say this quite a lot, but you know, I stick with the name Strength Chat just because it's talking about all things strength, which you know we, yeah. we all enjoy and we all get involved in strength training, um, whatever that may. Whether it's be you know myself competing in powerlifting or weightlifting or strongman or you know just generally going to the gym and, and getting stronger. And like to see how people get into it and you know uh, it makes me uh, smile when people say they kind of just fell into it like <laughs> i stopped playing rugby and then wanted something more competitive and then fell, <laughs> yeah fell, fell into powerlifting the other question that i quite like to ask because obviously you know the uh, the competitions that you that you've been at you know competing at the arnold you know britain uh, you know competing for um britain strongest woman um who were kind of your influences or do you have any influences in terms of you know getting involved in strength training the more that you've started competing and getting getting involved in the in the uh, strength side of things yeah so when i like found strong woman i didn't really know anything about it or anyone in it so i didn't really have someone that was like they're my hero they made me want to do this sport because i just knew enough all about it i didn't really know anything about female strength sports at all um the only female strength stuff i'd seen was on instagram of like booty influencers and that <laughs> that was the extent to my kind of exposure to to that um but as I got more and more into it, um, my two biggest influences and heroes were and are Jenny Todd and Donna Moore, who it's really strange now. And I always say this to them because they're both good friends of mine now. And I'm like, it's so weird because now they're friends. But like there was once upon a time, I remember Donna walking past past me my first England strongest woman and saying nice belt and I was like oh my god she spoke to me <laughs> and I'm not a fangirly person um but those those two um were doing it when I started and their approach to competing is really admirable they've both got a really strong head game they've both done extremely well career-wise um in it like Jenny won England's strongest woman four times she won the Arnold Donna's three times world strongest woman and they're both just lovely people. So I think they're the people to me that I've looked up to the most and still kind of reference when people ask me about greats in the sport. And that's not to say that no one else deserves that kind of sex because there's, I could sit here all day and reel off yeah. women that I admire to you. Um, but those two were kind of my first two inspirations um, and I still hold a lot of respect for them both. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I always like to ask that question because, you know, it's kind of everyone progresses through. And um, I know for uh, for me, for, for powerlifting, when I got involved in powerlifting, I ended up warming up on the same platform as Tony Cliff, who has won, you know, British powerlifting titles, uh, you know, a, a world champion. It's kind of like, oh, my God, I'm warming up on the same, same platform as that. <laughs> yeah. and, um, one thing, because, you know, across the board, um, uh, strength sports have... Um, like if you type in on Instagram now, powerlifting, weightlifting, you know, strong woman, there's loads of accounts for that. And I think the, um, uh, 
maybe how the uh, is it how the competitions are run is the right phrase I'm going for or um, just the scale of how popular they are and people you know following following the athletes you know such as yourself how mm. have you found from sort of the very first competitions that you've done to then being in America competing at the competing at the Arnold's how have you kind of um, uh, managed those competitions of the as they've grown in scale yeah I think and to be fair, the most overwhelmed I got was when I started because I only did like the national qualifier to take part and I never really expected it to go any further. So my biggest like point of overwhelm was that you're doing English Strongest Woman. I'm like, oh, gosh, oh, God. Um, but I think from that, it's just kind of been a natural progression. Um, and luckily my first international comp which was that Arnold a few years ago um I'd had my sights set on great things and then I got injured just before so I actually went over there like do you know what it doesn't matter where I place if I can walk onto that competition floor then I've won like I just want to have a great time so entering that level of competition with that mindset was like the best thing I could have done because I did have a great time and I ended up like fourth which was baffling but it happened and then um worlds was another new entity but i knew i'd competed on a an international stage before so it was and i was around a lot of friends like I, there's a good group in strong women and um, we're all quite close both the british girls and the international girls because of things like instagram we like you know everybody so that settled the nerves a little bit um obviously it's still scary but now I think at this competition I really had my head screwed on and it wasn't when I was at Worlds it was oh I could do well but I'm really not sure how it's going to be on this big big stage um but now I think I'm kind of at peace with actually I'm here to do a job let's get my head screwed on and, and get it done so my attitude is definitely changing but I think that's also come with my confidence in my own ability which was yeah. severely lacking in the early days Whereas now, finally, after this this comp, I'm like, okay, I belong here. Like, <laughs> let's do this. And what kind of, because um, you mentioned a little bit earlier in terms of uh, usually when you're working with the, uh, with your coach, working up to a competition, uh, very sort of like robotic in like, yep, yeah, this is this is what I'm doing. Um, and then obviously mentioning there, um, you know, having your head screwed on that change in mindset. Um, have it, has it always been follow that prep to the T? And what's kind of caused that change in mindset and being that and in, an increase in that confidence? Because I speak about this a lot with the clients that I work with in terms of, um, you know, if you're um, whether it's just walking into the gym and just um, getting involved in strength training, which, you know, it's still kind of um, uh, some of the women that I train are sometimes still a little bit nervous in terms of getting involved in the strength training side of things. And you know, it's great to see their changing confidence in terms of, you know, so I've got a couple of women now who are wanting to get involved in powerlifting competitions later in the year, which is, which is awesome, you know, and to see that progression through. So what's kind of been your changing mindset or has it always been the prep side of things or is it just a case of having more competitions underneath your belt, if, if that all kind of makes sense? Yeah, yeah. So prep-wise, um, I've always kind of stuck to the letter since, since I've had a coach. So since I've worked with Jenny and now I've got my nutritionist um, Vicky on board as well. Like I'm just that kind of person. If I know that I can 
achieve something I'll do everything in my power to make it happen so even when I didn't really believe that I could be any good I still work my ass off to do the best I could do um and I just like routine I'm just a creature of habit and I like I enjoy that process so that's something that I've never really found that difficult um but in terms of comp like it was interesting when you said there about um confidence in the gym like I went to training a commercial gym today because I'm doing more like machine work for the hypertrophy and it was really weird because I like in my gym I feel really confident and I'm like yeah like having the best time but in there I was actually a bit like oh and I text my coach like I'm waiting for the leg press and I feel like a creep and I'm really <laughs> scared and I was meant to do a tricep and I didn't because I was too scared of walking around different places so like even when you're like established as a strength athlete I guess like those feelings still happen it's still a thing um completely irrational but <laughs> it happened um but yeah I think that self-belief has come through achievement and just getting comps under my belt like the Arnold the first time I was like oh well that was a fluke and then I came fifth at Worlds and I was like okay like <laughs> that's quite good but still just got lucky like some girls didn't have their best day etc etc and then come in second at the Arnold so another top five finish I was like okay like I need to stop making excuses now because like I'm consistently in the top five international shows so I must be doing something right and I think like the record breakers competing with Becca Roberts current world's strongest woman and Donna Moore three times world's strongest woman I was just excited to be there I was like look I'm sitting next to the two of the strongest women on the planet and then to like win that was just I was like, oh, okay, I'm all right at this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. A couple of things that you said from there, but the, the last point that you made, obviously, um, the the people that you've named who you were competing with, do you think that um seeing those seeing those people there kind of raises your game a little bit and kind of makes you think a little bit because you know, when we're speaking about um, from, you know, a, a rugby background competing, like what I mentioned, you know, competing against Tony Cliff, you watch all of those and I think you learn more as well from different yeah. competitions and look like, well, why are they at the, um, uh, to uh, the uh, top of their game? What are they doing differently? And sometimes it's not they're doing anything different. It's just a case of they've just got that, that extra few competitions underneath the belt or been doing it a little bit longer. What's kind of your, mm -hmm. your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think when you compete with the best, you have to become better. And I think in Strong Women recently, there's so many people that have come in and just raised the bar. Um, and like, I want to keep up with them. So I try, like, it's mad how, if you would have said, like, I think it was like three or four years ago, there was me, Rihanna Lovelace, and I think Rosie Pearson, one of, she was an under 82. And we were going to go for a 200 deadlift that was going to be a Strong Woman world record for the, under 82 and the under 64 class but now reset the record at like 272 and it's like if you can't deadlift 200 as a lightweight why are you like why are you there so the bar has risen and you just follow it so I think it's not so much that I look at individuals and think what are they doing that I can do because I know my coaches know how I work yeah um but in terms of like being around people who are better like it definitely makes you want to be better and that's something um I train on my own most of the time but when I get chance to train with other strong women like <laughs> I'm there in a heartbeat because I know it's going to push me even though I might not be the best there it, I'm going to try to be because I'm really competitive um so yeah it definitely helps to be around people better than you 
if that's what you were getting at, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because it is that thing of, you know, especially when the, you know, um, the clients I'm working with and, you know, a lot of uh, being based in um, leads, you know, you look at some of the, the powerlifters and the and the gyms and the people who have competed, you know, you know, not a million miles away from, from where leads are, to point people in the direction of look and be like, you know, this is um, uh, this is what you can do, and it just takes time. And I think it is a case of you know um, that that phrase. It might sound really cheesy, but surround yourself with uh, like-minded people. Have that environment around you, and you know things can things can happen. Because just going back to when we were talking about the confidence side of things, I think sometimes the environment that people are in can sometimes make them think that they're not very good or they're not going to be able to progress a little bit. Like you know. We have a lot of people come to, so I just work at an independent gym in uh, in Leeds, but a lot of people come from like the big commercial gyms and seem to sort of um, feel a little bit more at home. Um, from your point of view as uh, now doing more coaching, have you kind of had that response from um, uh, the clients that you've worked with, you know, when they've been working in uh, or training in gyms or that sort of stuff? Yeah, definitely. There's a couple of my clients actually that have recently moved from commercial gyms to more like strongman specific gyms. And the difference in their training is like tenfold. They move with more confidence, they're like being braver with their numbers and that the way they talk about their training, it's just so different. And they're like, oh, like I was speaking to so-and-so about competing today or like the fact that they can get on equipment and grow in confidence that way. And I think it is that they're used to training for strongman in a commercial gym and people are probably like, especially some of the stuff I program, like <laughs> it looks really weird probably in a normal gym. Um, but yeah, I think that's definitely a thing. But I think as well as that, going into those kind of environments initially can be really scary. Like I remember um, when I started strongman, and I wasn't really a member at any gym, I don't think. I just, I don't know what I was doing, to be honest. <laughs> um, and the the guy, Ant Brown, that runs all the England's, Britain's, whatever, was like, come down to, to the farm. And I was like, ooh. And I remember walking in and there's these big, bearded, hairy, sweaty guys. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm petrified. And I felt so intimidated like there was no need to be intimidated because they were all lovely and I later found that out but I think that initial step like it's scary but once you once you're in it's the best thing ever yeah I think it is it is one of those things of um it's very much and I always liken it to uh playing rugby it's 15 against 15 right I'm going to beat that opposite man whereas um I think the strength of community, everyone wants to see everyone do well, whether it's a complete beginner going for um, a, a PB that they've never lifted before compared to, you know, the, the, the very top level when they're going for, you know, national, international, you know, world world records. Um, mm -hmm. And I think I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I think, you know, and I'm sure there's been loads of people listening. I know I've done it when, so I like going at training at different gyms and you walk in and think, what's everyone going to be like? Whereas actually... It, everyone's pretty pretty friendly you know I don't, don't get me wrong I think you know there's there's always going to be that competitiveness um side of things where you, you might want to chip them a little bit on the way or get a few more reps out but in terms yeah. of a strength community I think that's that you know it's um something that uh coming from a different competitive background is something that I've never experienced before but you know you get caught, kind of caught up in it um mm -hmm. 
going back to when you mentioned, uh, you know, turning um, pro and then coaching um, and being a, a creature of habit and getting into a routine, um, how was that kind of impacted? Because obviously you mentioned working with a nutritionist now. How has that kind of impacted your uh, your nutrition and recovery compared to you know when you were working full time and trying to trying to manage it? Um, do you just feel um, better? Do you feel like you've just got more time to do more of the other things? So obviously we can train more. And um, what sort of been the changes with that? Yeah. So when I was working full time and starting my coaching business, I was doing all my coaching stuff on the weekend. I was like in touch with my clients through the week while I was working I worked from eight till four I would go to get up at five go train go to work and then oftentimes I'd have um like my osteopath appointments or sports therapy appointments every other week as well to fit that in so it was just like constantly on the go I didn't have much time to actually sit and rest because I was always doing something or if I wasn't sorting my clients out like on the evenings I'd be um, doing a new course to get more qualified for my coaching or doing my mobility stuff or prepping my food for the next day like it was just constant yeah. um, and because I was training so early in the morning like I wasn't fueled optimally and I was capped on time whereas now I can go in the gym I can be in the gym like three four hours and it like it, it doesn't matter so there's less time pressure so I can really make sure I'm doing my session justice and doing it to the best of my ability rather than just going through the motions and getting it done um so be more mindful with my training I think is the biggest thing um food wasn't too bad because I could just prep things um in advance but it did take time and then my treatments and stuff and mobility like I've just got more flexibility to go so like you know how hard an evening appointment is to get where now I can just go in the day and it's fine and I just feel so much more relaxed like my job before was really stressful um I worked in the community with children with learning disabilities um I worked in quite a deprived area so I was working on a lot with child protection um where children or families were at risk and it was like it was just hard it was really tough and then to have the pressure of a competition and worrying if the kid's gonna like be safe yeah it was so much and I think you don't realize how much stress impacts your recovery and your ability to train because like that that's another element isn't it so I'm just way less stressed now more chilled got more time just living the dream <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah that's just that's just going to be the tagline for, uh, uh, for for the podcast just this is how this is how you live the dream but no it's interesting that, you, know, you, you you mentioned there about stress because that's like I would say that's the biggest one um, and then that has an, a knock-on effect on uh, people's sleep and then people's um, uh, recovery just kind of two things from that do you think that maybe um uh, are you training less but more quality now because you've got more time you've got more time for recovery or are we training the same amount but you've just got more free time because you're not tied to um you know do, doing your other job and then because you've obviously experienced because it's that it's that thing isn't it of um if you've experienced stress and being balancing a full-time job and training that's most people that are going to come and come and work with you do you think that's kind of giving you a better understanding of how to work with clients and get the best out of them yeah definitely I think um what was the first bit of that question again I had the answer in my head uh I have a habit of doing this I know I should have fired two questions 
Um, the first bit was because um, you've now got more time, so we're not tied to you know a full time yes. job. Do you are you training? Has your training changed? Are you doing less? So because you've got more time to recover, or are you able to actually do a little bit more, but you've still got more time to yeah. do other things? So training day wise, it's very similar, but I'm definitely in the gym for longer. Um, at the moment, I think we're going for like five days, so I've got. Um, different splits and then an events day and then I think we're also putting in like a movement day in my home gym so that'd be like six total days but not like hard intense yeah. go 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 um but then in my prep we only did four days but it means I can be more flexible like if I need to train more I can if we need to drop it back because I've got something else going on or I'm not recovering enough we can and it doesn't mess things up too much so there's not that much of a difference it's just that it's much easier to fit it in now um and it, like that experience definitely does help with my clients because like they all work I've got a few actually that work in healthcare as well so I totally uh, <laughs> get where they're coming from when they're like I had a really busy day and I didn't have the energy I'm like I get it it's fine <laughs> chill um so yeah I think that definitely helps and sometimes I have to remind myself how it felt yeah. um because I know they don't have all the time and it also depends on that client's goals I think if they want to be the best then they're going to have to be stressed at points and they're going to have to do things that they don't want to do but if they're doing it for fun then I'm like I get you like I've been there just take the rest you need and don't feel bad for it so yeah I think it definitely helps with being where people you're helping are yeah, definitely. And one thing, it's interesting there when you're saying if they're doing it for fun, yeah, that's fine. Whereas if they want to um, compete, if they want to be the best, obviously it's that. It's a little bit like what we were saying uh, a little bit earlier on in terms, in terms of that uh, change in mindset. And I know sometimes I struggle when, you know, it's sometimes easy to say, oh, you're just, make, just making excuses or, you know, um, well, this is what we've got to do to get to this point. If you do want to compete, whether that's, you know, going from regional to nationals or nationals to, to you know, international competitions, mm -hmm. how do you kind of um, help your clients with that mindset side of things? And do you draw on the experiences that you've had? Do you kind of just have that thing of, look, if you want to get there, you know this is what this is what we've got to do i'm willing to help you if not then we're going to have to manage our expectations a little bit because um i think that's one thing probably more so from potentially the coaches listening that i think it can be difficult to try and manage that a little bit because you kind of think we'll just do this and this will get to it whereas there's all these other variables that might get in people's way yeah i think it depends on the person and part of what I pride myself in as a coach is getting to know my clients because um, I might have two people that are exactly the same point in terms of competitive level but I have to treat them completely different like one like I have a client <clears throat> who's going for like a, a fairly big competition soon the other day and he was like fretting he'd had covid and he was like oh what if I can't do this I need to be doing this I need to be doing this and I was like put the facts in front of him I was like you said you felt good at this week how long did it takes you to get there good you've got more time than you had then to get to the competition 
how are you today? Have you stopped flapping? Yes, great, let's go. <laughs> Whereas there's other people where I might need to be like, okay, so let's take it day by day. How are you right now? If we need to amend sessions, then we absolutely can. And it's just, it's knowing your clients and knowing how you can speak to them. If you can have that banter with them or whether if you spoke to them like that, make them cry. Like, obviously that's, <laughs> that's not a good thing. So um, I think my nursing background helps with that as well. Like I'm very empathetic and feel like I'm quite good at putting myself in pe other people's positions and giving advice and, kind of holding back the training advice when I need to and just being there and being like come on boss up <laughs> let's yeah. help you out um, and I think that's also e even when you need people to do things at a competitive level like they're a human being at the end of the day aren't they so yes the stuff that needs to be done but you can change how that needs to be done so uh, change their training day split it up into a couple of sessions or make two sessions into one longer one whatever you need to do to help them like that that's our job isn't it it's more than just programming yeah definitely because that's only uh, that's only one side of it but like what you said there you know taking it by um you know uh, client by client person by person because um ultimately they're the ones that have got to be able to do that and it's a little bit like you know we mentioned earlier about enjoying it mm -hmm. i still think that even um like what you said about, you know, uh, going to these, uh, you know, competitions, but still having fun, still enjoying it. Um, I always say, you know, that for that um, uh, minute or however long those uh, those event or that lift is, concentrate on that. Once you're off the platform, once you're off that event, you can laugh and joke and do everything like yes. that. But it's just having that, having that switch to go from there. And I think, you know, when people are filling out questionnaires or you're answering questions about what they want in terms of the goals, I think that sometimes... Um, uh, something that's not really like getting to know that person, you know, why they want to do it, you know, what has been going on. So that one, you can tap into those, you know, um, motivations of why they want to do it. But then sometimes, you know, being that shoulder to lean on or that person to put their arm around them to be like, ah, you know, it's all right. We can, we can, we can, we can, we can change it around from there. Um, which, you know, I can imagine a lot of coaches and a lot of people listening have either been in that situation on, 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 on one end, one end or the other. Um, you mentioned there about your training, obviously having the um, flexibility to either do more days or less days, depending on what you've uh, uh, what you've got on. Um, and one of the uh, one of the main questions I wanted to ask about was obviously the event training. And um, I mentioned at the start, obviously lifting the Dinny Stones. If anyone doesn't know what the Dinny Stones are, um, YouTube it. You'll find, you'll find that one. <laughs> um, and. Um, yeah, obviously that was an event uh, when we were setting up this podcast. That was an event that you would didn't know that it was going to be going to be coming up. How do you sort of manage training for events? You know, do you get told in advance? Are you got told on the day for those events? And how do you kind of? Because we've spoken a lot about mindset, about you know uh, working as a coach and being able to change things and pivot and adjust things when it's happening. How does that work? Or how did you work with your coach when? something like that happens in a competition and other events are happening, you know, in your own training uh, in terms of preparing for, for events. Yeah. So typically we know the events in advance um, and the Dinny Stones, like it wasn't actually part of my competition. It was separate. Um, but I saw other people were doing it and I was like, I want to get in on that. So message them all. And they were like, yep, yeah, you can do it the day before I flew out. So I was like, okay, just got to go with it. But 
generally uh, we do know the events in advance for that contest we knew five out of the six events um so the last event was a mystery event until again the day before we flew out <laughs> so i didn't have time to train for that but i think again it depends on people's time so for me because i've got like unlimited time in the day really to train i had my events through the week um, so I had four sessions, one was focused on the axle press, one was focused on the deadlift, one was focused on the squat and the medley. Yeah, and then my other one, no, that's four sessions, but my sandbags was in my press one as well. So my events were kind of slotted in through the week um, and that worked really well. But a lot of people who... Um, train during the week it's more sensible to have like a gym based program through the week and then an events day on the weekend when they've got more time um but it, it and it also depends on that person's ability to recover from certain events like if yoke absolutely hammers them i'm not going to put it in at like day two in the week because otherwise everything's going to be shocking for the rest of the week so um once you kind of know what events are coming up you can tailor your training around that and the, obviously you want to be practicing specific events but there's other things you can do around that are also going to help so let's say you've got stones coming up but your clients not got access to any stones so you do things like um deficit stiff leg deadlifts snatch grip rows are really good for like getting the stone up off the floor power cleans power snatches great for that extension so there's other exercises that you can do that are also going to cross over to the events um and then with regards to the mystery event i think because you're peaking for well you're not just peaking for strength because you're peaking for endurance as well with your rep events and fitness but like you are when you're at the end of that prep like at the best physical point you could be in terms of like all areas of fitness i guess I know we call it strongman, but it's more than just being like, it's different to powerlifting where you're peaking for free maxes because yeah. there wasn't any maxes in my comp. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, you're at that kind of pinnacle, which I, I believe is why the dinnies went so well. Cause everyone was like, Oh, what did you do to prep for it? And I was like, well, actually nothing. <laughs> um, but I do have previous experience. Like I did a lot of training on them before when I went to lift them. So technique wise, that was already there. And I believe that had the strength to do it because Jenny had peaked me really well before the competition. So I was already strong. Um, so yeah, there's, there's no kind of right or wrong way to do it. Personally, I like it spread through the week. Um, but I used to have an event specific day and that also worked well, but it's just, it's a lot to get through on one day. Um, if you're doing all of your events, like it's knackering. So you've got to think of recovery and impact on the next week then. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I thought that was good how you explained that, you know, because I think that's what sometimes some, some people uh, forget that, you know, um, sometimes uh, it's going to be for time or for reps or, you know, especially the, uh, the medleys and the, and the carries and that sort of stuff. Like there has to be some, there, or there is some form of endurance in that. Whereas, yeah, powerlifters have it easy just doing there. Uh, just, just... <laughs> it's easy to program. <laughs> <laughs> But with that, you know, and speaking about the about the um, Dinny Stones and because um, obviously, you know, I'm a big believer in momentum as well. Like if things are going well, you, you have that confidence and, you know, everything's, pe everything's peaked for that. Um, and with the um, 
when we've uh, when you've spoken about spreading it out a little bit in terms of how do you match that or like what you mentioned about if the York you know he's going to wipe somebody out or um, has it been in terms of how you set your days out has that been a little bit of trial and error because you know some of the events might not be in a competition but then in in, in another one is that just tweaking or do you have kind of set templates that you that you alternate around depending on what events are going to be in the competition if that if that kind of makes sense yeah so in an off season I'll kind of rotate events so I never want any of my clients to be doing like every event every week because it's just not maintainable it's you're gonna be a little flumped (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna be knackered you're gonna get broken and also like you're never gonna get very skilled at anything if you're doing everything all the time um so in an off season i'll like cycle the events and like even give people a chance to choose something that they want to do and I have two rules of like don't max don't be an arsehole uh, <laughs> because there's no need to um but i think skill acquisition actually goes a long way and it's something people don't think about enough um like if you've got yoke coming up in a contest you don't have to go fat like heavy all the time if you can work on being fast when you set off or getting your turns faster or working your stability in other ways, like that's all going to help that event. It's like we said earlier, you don't need to do specific stuff. So, um, and then off season, I'll be like rotating everything. And then if someone has a competition coming up, I will just work on those specific events or if they have a real weakness. So, um, or like something they like confidence in. So one of my girls, lacks confidence with the log it's just something she finds really difficult so we keep that in even though it's not coming up in contest we kind of strip back the intensity and just work on skill um during that block because it's not going to impact her recovery but someone else might not be able to manage that so it is trial and error in in what can work and even with my prep just um I was doing a deadlift on a Monday and it was my press on a Tuesday was just god awful like I just couldn't do it because I was knackered from the deadlift um it wasn't so bad near the end but at the start like my upper back was just like so fatigued I couldn't do anything so it was me having that conversation with my coach like actually I'm pretty confident on deadlifts anyway and this has been detrimental to my press so can we swap that round and little things like that and I think it's so important as an athlete to communicate with your coach and as a coach to encourage your athletes and your clients to talk to you because you can't give them the best service if you don't really know what's going on. And I think a lot of people like do feel scared to say to their coach, actually, this isn't working because you're paying for something and in your head, especially if you're new to it, you probably think, oh, well, this must be right because they know what they're on about. But like, it's never going to be right the first time, especially if you're new working together. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point because I, you know, um, it's kind of if uh, clients don't give people any information back, you kind of just going in blind and you just you know walking walking around in the dark. Whereas the analogy that I, I'm I'm a big fan of an analogy, but it's a little bit like if you took your car into a garage and they gave it back to you with no wheels, you'd be like, you wouldn't just be like, oh yeah, sound cheers. Yeah. That's it. I think yeah. That's- you know, you'd say you'd say something about it, and I think more so in terms of the training side of things. It doesn't mean to say that whatever the coach says is gospel. It's a case of it has to be worked around, you know, worked around that person. And mm-hmm. 
found it really interesting what you said about the um the uh, the skill side of things because i know obviously you know uh, strength is a skill whether it's squatting benching deadlifting um or you know uh, the yoke or any of the carries or something like that and i think you can sometimes um or i'd like to know your thoughts on it in terms of there can be some people that absolutely blitz away that you know maybe think oh well they're not going to be that good at that event whereas some people really struggle and try and like manhandle it and just try and use brute force whereas actually for a lot of events there's you know a little bit of a skill to it what's kind of your thoughts on that yeah I think skill is so important and it's something that I've had to learn because I'm like brute force I'm shocking like I'm not I am strong but I'm not the strongest person I've had to really work on technique especially with my overhead um to get things optimal i often like world's strongest man i hate watching sometimes because i'm like these guys are so strong but sometimes the way they do things you're like oh my god like <laughs> if you would just like work on your skill and do this more efficiently like you'd be untouchable um so yeah i definitely think obviously like brute strength has its place but it also leaves you more exposed to injuries it means that you're not going to hit your full potential because you're not doing things efficiently you're going to get tired faster so you're going to drop points um yes it's definitely uh i think now with like obviously there's a lot more coaches coming in there's a lot of different things from other sports as well um that's helping out um i think things are changing and people are more interested in skill now that's why a lot of people get a coach i know a lot of my clients have come up because they want that technical feedback so I think we're heading in the right direction as opposed to when I started and it was just get it from there to there (laughs) um yeah but it it's it's really important and like you say it's really kind of underestimated sometimes how much of a difference it can make yeah I think the key word that that you were saying there was sort of like the uh, like efficiency you know being able to do that because you know I know obviously you know raw power um will um I, I always think it'll only get you so far and then yeah. it's a case of, you know, you're still going to be coming up against the same issues at either a certain weight or, 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 a, cert, or a certain event. Whereas, you know, I think sometimes it's a case of you're going to have to take two steps back to address that skill a little bit, to take four or five, four or five steps forward. Um, whereas if you're um, inefficient and still keep getting to that point and still keep getting injured there's only so many times that you can do that because the more injuries you get you know and then it's gonna it's, it's gonna you know it's gonna uh, uh, be an uphill struggle um with that in mind we spoke about obviously into a new block um now um you know um trying to put a little bit of uh, mass on and into a hypertrophy phase um what does the future hold for Chloe Brennan what can we expect to see what's upcoming have to wait and see no I think (laughs) it's hard to say at the moment like this year uh, my focus is on um world's strongest woman and going in a new weight class and not looking like an idiot like I don't when I said I was moving up there was a lot of people that were like how will you cope with not being the best in that weight class like and taking a step down and kind of more recently, I've been like, well, why, why do I have to take a step down? Why can't I be the best in that weight class? Um, so I think it's more of a head game thing for me and actually like believing in myself and training like the best because that's how I'm going to get there. So my big goal um, is to do well at World Strongest Woman at under 73, put on some good mass, which is proving quite difficult, actually, like before when I was 
under 64 I was like deadly and I was like I can't wait to eat loads of food I can't wait to get heavier like it's actually quite a difficult transition like I'm gonna be uncomfortable for a good while so I think a lot of this year is just going to be getting my head around that really um and getting used to like I'm guessing my the way I move is going to change because I'm gonna be a slightly different size so getting used to that um and also I want to I want to do some more records you know like I never believed I could hold a world record and I thought that's not for me like I'm just the all-round consistent strong woman I'm not particularly good at anything but now like I have one well I have two I found out I've got the car walk world record as well in the under 64s oh I missed that off the introduction I'm gonna have to go back (laughs) and do it again gonna have to do it again oh damn um yeah I found that out the other week and I was like oh that was cool so so I am capable of these things um so I guess just having a play with different things and seeing if there's any more exciting opportunities like the rogue record breakers to jump in on and I just don't want to put any limits on what I can do really just see what happens Awesome. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what what what's gonna what's gonna come next. And um, yeah, thanks a lot for taking the time uh, to jump on, Chloe. Really, really enjoyed um, sort of picking your brains and, and chatting with you. The the last question that I like to ask. So I know there was you know um, quite a lot of topics in there, a few tangents thrown in in that chat. But um, for everyone listening of everything that we've spoken about today, what would be your take home points or words of wisdom? Sky's the limit. <laughs> it's really cliche, but I honestly never doubt yourself and just kind of put that no limits attitude onto things and never think that something's too hard or too unachievable because I would never have imagined that I'd be where I am now. It's I honestly am cringing as I'm saying it, but it's true in it. So I think that's yeah. that's my main thing. And communicate with your coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's a i think that's a good point to, and i think the i think they both um tie quite nicely into each other because you know um like like i said before having um, people coming in as beginners and developing to get to competitions i think people set themselves their own limits of well i can't lift that weight or I can't go to, or I'm not, what's the, yeah, the main one, this is probably another tangent, but uh, I'm not strong enough to go to a competition. Is that why, why aren't you? Yeah. Why can't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because once you've done that, you know, I was the same. I went to, I went to, a, I literally got given uh, a coach that I used to work with, gave me a 12 week. I'd stopped playing rugby. Here's a 12 week program. You're going to compete in 12 weeks. I went there, didn't know what to expect. Treat it like a rugby game. Whereas actually, like what we said before, the atmosphere, the, the community side of things was absolutely awesome. Here's me competing four or five years later, you know, looking forward to, you know, going to the, uh, having, you know, competed at the British and, you know, seeing a different environment of that, like, you know, you catch that, you catch that bug a little bit. And, you know, even though, you know, sharing a platform with European and world champions, like, you know, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to be a. I'd love to be a world champion, but you know, it's still the atmosphere of of of, of competing there. And um, yeah, I think sometimes people can be tied down a little bit by the by their own limits. I literally um, spoke to um, when I was in the gym this morning, just speaking speaking about which I think is an apt point. Is I think sometimes people um, they only see the negatives and what they can't do, whereas yeah. exactly like what you said, speaking with a coach, the coach only sees their potential. 
about you know what's that per- what that person can achieve and gets them the way they want to be. So um, yeah, I think that was a a really good point to finish on. Um, if anyone's got any uh, questions about what we've chatted about, see your training, uh, want to get involved in some coaching with you, or just see the content that you put out there, where can people find you or reach out to you? Yep, so you can find me on good old Instagram at Chloe Brennan with a little X on the end. Or if you put Chloe Brennan Strong Woman into YouTube, you can see my channel. That's growing slowly, but I'm trying to get more content out there. Um, give the strong men a run for their money. So go check that out and make sure you subscribe. Awesome. Um, thanks a lot, Chloe, for taking the time to jump on. Really, really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks a lot to everyone listening, and I will see you all next week. <laughs>